Hey, it's Faith, and you're listening to Not Like the Movies. Today I'm talking to Julie Zahn, who is one of my classmates at The Last Acting Studio. She has been in a bunch of different feature films and TV shows, including Mr. Mayor, 911, and The Resident. She's been in a bunch of different feature films that have really cool combat stuff, and of course her beautiful acting. So if you want to check out any of her projects that we mentioned at the end of this podcast, I've linked a couple in the show notes. Be sure to check those out. Julie talks a lot about growing through the industry, starting in her 20s and now through her 30s, and the whole concept of of letting your people pleaser and your try hard and type A personality go a little bit and enjoying the present moment, the time that you get on set a little bit more than we typically do. She also talks about how certain roles are meant for you and certain ones aren't. And even though that's really hard to hear, you can do everything correctly and still not get the role. So instead of killing yourself for everything, she likes to think about it as just letting certain things come to you and still working hard regardless. So I hope you enjoy this. This is Julie Zahn. So what you think, so what you do, they don't really care about you. So have a drink and think it through, but baby it's not like the movies. Hello. Hello. Oh, oh my gosh, it feels like forever. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> How's class? How's life? It's good. It's funny because I feel like we had that original group of people for so long. And then the summer is so weird because we're like going back and forth and everything. Oh yeah. Is it a lot of new people now? I'd say it's probably like 80% still the same amount of people. Okay. okay. In and out. And you know, it just like changes the chemistry of the Ooh. class and stuff. Like not a bad way, just different. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm planning on going back in September. So I'm excited. Yay. I'm glad. Yeah. I always learned so much from you just going up and doing things. Oh, I feel the same. Thank you. Thank you. Our class is very special in that way. I feel like everybody that totally. is in the class, I'm like, wow, I really enjoyed watching everybody and then learning. Yeah them as well. It's just such a smart, diverse group of people. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Just oh a whole podcast about like, not just acting, but life. Happy that you are taking the time to create this thing for hopefully not just actors, but people that are just fascinated by Hollywood because it's so human. So thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, my my best friend is a music teacher and she just got married and he's a music teacher too. And they're very cute. And she texted me the other day. She was like, I just walked into my house and I heard your voice and I thought you were on the phone with her husband's name is Thorne. Because sometimes I call him for all my like boy stuff. Like I don't know how to find the turn off to the water in my apartment. <laughs> but she's like, I thought you called him for something. And I realized he was just like in our house cleaning, listening to your podcast. So sweet. I was like, that is so cute. <laughs> and he's not an actor or he is no, an he's actor. a music teacher. That's I, I love that other people can be exposed to this crazy yeah. world that we're in. Yeah, like let them in that it's not all... <laughs> bright lights and so expensive and yeah. actors are also not crazy and if there mm -hmm. are moments that we are it's probably because the industry made us this way <laughs> yeah. we're all like relatively normal we are we are in my stocking of you this week first off I'm always surprised by how old everyone is I would have <laughs> guessed you were like maybe well you carry yourself much older but looks wise you could still pass 22 <laughs> 
Thank you. It's I crazy. That. The older I get, the more I'm like, wow, yeah, I hope I can just remain a mystery. You <laughs> and they really are. Asians are like 16 to 50 is like the age range. <laughs> but you have so many creative talents. Like which one did you start in? Because you have dance, you have, how do you pronounce it? The type of martial arts that you do? Oh, Wushu. Wushu. You have that, you have acting, all the stage combat, which I guess is film combat. Which one did you start in? <laughs> How did you start? Oh, yeah. I actually, I, th- I think I was going to go down the route of dancer and that would have been a whole other life because yeah. I danced in middle school was when I started and then I really got into it in high school and then did it throughout college and funny enough I, I went to UC San Diego and then when I moved back to LA after college I thought oh um, maybe I could do dance and acting like as a duo path and so I did pursue dance professionally for I would say like officially officially a year but I really mm-hmm. worked towards that for several years and then ultimately realized that acting and dance are such a beast in and of itself that I could only really focus on one I cannot imagine doing both and you know I, that's what's crazy I actually similar to Oscar Wilson from our class who's also a dancer I also wrote a pilot about a dancer because it is just such a crazy world and Oscar could probably tell you but you know we had these things called cattle calls yeah my best friend is a dancer here and like that's what she's doing oh my gosh which is still different than when you guys did it like there aren't as many cattle calls kind of but they don't have the rules that we do so she's paying to audition it's crazy I would be very curious yeah what that scene is now because I was really in it probably oh gosh like a decade ago so a lot has changed but yeah back then it was all the guys had to go through ab checks and so if you didn't have a six-pack you can't even audition (laughs) yeah you would just show up at these cattle calls sometimes they would do first cuts based on looks and like height alone right and then other times you're like in the back with a thousand other people in a room just trying to see what the choreography is and it was just it was nuts and so yeah I love dance and it will always be a big, big part of my life. But I think I realized I was getting away from the the sanctity of dance within myself, Mm -hmm. the more I was trying to pursue it professionally. And I know there's professional dancers that absolutely can keep the purity of their craft and passion and still do it. I just, I was like, oh, it, it hurt to just show up every day to be like, I am a cow and here is my number. So I ended up choosing acting over dance after yeah, I guess that year I met amazing people and I did amazing projects and it was awesome. But then Mm -hmm. I was like, as like a lifelong pursuit, I was like acting. With the sanctity that you're talking about, I have a hard time already just separating why I love this craft and what brought me to this versus the industry piece that we also have to hold. I think there are a lot of people that feel similarly of, I don't like this business. I don't like the quote unquote industry. I don't like that vibe. I don't like quote unquote networking. I don't like the money. I like the people we have in class, the people that want to make art and that want to share stories and create things and connect. 
And sometimes it's very hard for me to acknowledge that I have to do both Mm. to be part of projects. (laughs) Yeah. If only we could be, I think our class is such a good example of this beautiful bubble of, yeah, just like pure artists that are like, we just want to create and it's so beautiful. But yeah, there is that whole other side because it is the business of art as well. At least I think for people that are trying to pursue it as a profession, because we do have to eat. Yeah, I would love to hear your perspective on that too, because I have (laughs) my thoughts. (laughs) I've seen enough people over the years successfully balance both. And I think that's what has given me the the perspective and the inspiration to just be like, oh, Mm -hmm. we can do this. Like you don't have to be a successful actor only if you have a drug problem or, (laughs) you know, like you could just be healthy and preserve the sanctity of your art and still Mm -hmm. be able to make a consistent living off of it. So there, there is absolutely hope, but I, I do also see a lot of people do get jaded over the years. I, yeah, I'm curious like where you are at your journey. Are you jaded yet? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, doing this honestly has helped me a lot just because I am a baby in this business. Like I've only been here for, it'll be two years this month. Happy two year anniversary. (laughs) I'm like, what have I done? I don't know. (laughs) But it definitely is helpful to have people that have been here longer who have kind of gone through the same things and almost made it out the other side and hear what they relied on. And it seems like the reoccurring themes are kind of like you said, realizing that even though we care about this so much, Mm -hmm. there are other things that you should have your identity within and relationships and people and other skills that you have that make you valuable. Because otherwise, like what just happened to you, if you had nothing else to attach your identity to, that would be awful to come back from Mm -hmm. or to try and figure out what to do while you're waiting. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. And it will continue to happen because that is sort of the the fickle business we're in and it's not to say anyone's trying to be fickle but just it's it's like winning the lottery to be able to get that one series to actually be greenlit and then for you to be the perfect casting for it and have enough credits that, you know, the network and the production company and everybody agree they could trust you with it. It's just so many pieces have to align and your co-star has to be within the height range that matches your height. It's so many factors. And I, I could tell you the amount of stories over the years, like I tested for a show. Now I'm like, can I say these things like specifically, or should I keep it? like You can keep it as general as you want. <laughs> Some people have literally been like an unnamed pilot that I did. <laughs> Let me think about it as I talk. But yeah, I tested for this show that is very popular. And it came down to me and this one other girl for one of the series regulars which is almost worse than not getting called back at all I know and I don't think they 
do this anymore. Like, especially after COVID, I think a lot of it is taped or via Zoom. Mm -hmm. But back then it was in person. You sit in the waiting room with (sighs) the other person. You're like, and and we literally joked at each other. We're like, one of us is going to go home to eat ramen and the other's going to go home and buy a house. Like, And then you go into the room of the 20 network execs who you've never met in your life and you can't even really see them with the lights. And then of course it was a sobbing scene. So you're even extra nervous and just trying not to go crazy. And you sign the contract before you go in to see how much money you would make. (laughs) It's all like, it's like torture. It's torture. And, you know, you leave your heart on the floor. And I remembered leaving going, okay, I did everything I could for this. Um, And of course, I really, really want it. And then I get the call from my manager and you just know immediately he's like, yeah, hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> and you do that enough times and you sob enough times that I think it's not even jaded anymore. It's more of a very pragmatic way of looking at Hollywood, which yeah. is, wow, I can't take it personally. There's just too many factors that I have no control over. And as long as I have my friends, my family, other things. Cause now I dance for fun. I dance because it's joyous. I have martial arts and just all these other things that bring me joy on a day-to-day basis. I think that is truly the only way to really make this a lifelong career because it's so volatile. And if you let the highs and the lows like really get to you, I, th- I forget who said this, but I was listening to a podcast and it was an actor and his wife told Told him, you are allowed to be overjoyed about a booking or a win for a total mm-hmm. of 24 hours. And you're also allowed to mope around and sob and be sad about losing something for 24 hours. But after that, no more moping. You just, you have to move on. And so it's, it's yeah. almost like setting boundaries for how <laughs> overjoyed or completely depressed you can be. So you can stay a sane human being through all of it. If you don't set a certain thing, then that can like ruin your whole year. You just keep comparing what your life would have been if you would have, or if something else would have happened or like, it's just too much. It's too much. And, and I think over the years, the other thing I realized was when a role is meant to be for you, it actually happens very smoothly. It's Effortless in the sense that you work really hard to do the work, but there's no effort in the like, oh my God, am I going to get it or not? And just that like tortured feeling where it's always the roles that aren't meant for you that you don't end up getting that I feel very tortured over. And so I think that's also now I kind of recognize, oh, am I having a tortured feeling? I should let that go because that doesn't Mm. seem like it's mine. And then if it flows, you just kind of allow for it to be, that got really esoteric, but I hope that that makes sense. (laughs) Do you feel like you're in a place in your career where you feel comfortable with your team saying no to things that you don't feel like align with you or what you think or what you believe or like my friend happens to also be Chinese and she sometimes will say no to certain things because it does not depict her culture or Mm. her views and she's like I'm not like ambiguously Asian I'm Chinese 
Yeah, really good question. So I actually, and speaking of work-life balance for reals, um, given everything that's going on, <laughs> and just the total climate of our industry, all signs pointed to a reset. So I, for the first time in my entire acting career, dropped all of my reps. Good for I, you. Like starting over. I mean, I still have my commercial reps. I love them. BBRs amazing family to me. And I've been with them. I feel like that's like a different team. Yeah. 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 But like theatrically, yeah, I Mm -hmm. dropped my theatrical agent and manager and, you know, it has felt very, very free um, because so this is going to be a long story medium. (laughs) Well, that's why it's a long form podcast. (laughs) I spent the first probably seven or eight maybe nine years of my career being just an unapologetic people pleaser, like to the point where I, I I didn't even recognize it for many, many years. And then when I did recognize it, I couldn't stop it or help it. And so anything that came my way, it was like, oh yes, thank you so much for the honor right. of an audition. And to sidetrack a little bit, I would say 12 years ago when I started, one of the first film auditions I ever got was to be a trophy wife for an Adam Sandler project. And she's supposed to be like, you know, some, yeah, hot lady from China who had an accent. And I didn't know how to have an Asian accent, which Mm -hmm. that's very weird because Chinese is my first language. But I think when I came to America, I worked so hard to learn English. And you don't have an accent when you speak. So then I just didn't know how to have a Chinese accent speaking English because that just was not something I did. (laughs) So um, anyway, I got coached for the role, for the acting part of the role. And it so happened that my coach was a white guy and he was like, um, it says in the script, you're supposed to have an accent. I was like, I know, but I can't do one. He's like, oh, you know, just do the like general Asian accent. And I just had one of those moments where I was like, oh my God, I'm sitting here and there's a white guy teaching me how to have a Chinese accent and I'm paying him for this. (laughs) And you fully speak Chinese. (laughs) I fully speak Chinese. And so that, that gives you a picture of how I started just feeling like (laughs) strong, starting so so out of control and like just assumed that is all I could get. And that, and unfortunately that was so much more prevalent, you know, 12 years ago, which wasn't that long ago. So, you know, over the years, I've definitely had many learning lessons of how to say no. And unfortunately, a lot of times, if you turn down an audition for, you know, your own values or because it does not depict my culture in a way that I think is respectful, it's usually met with a lot of disappointment, guilt tripping, or just straight up like yelling. (laughs) I have been yelled at (laughs) by reps before that are like, you, how dare you pass on this kind of thing? And so I think at the end of the day, through all of those experiences, it has taught me finally, and only a few years ago to start setting those healthy boundaries of like, no, I'm not going to do this because it doesn't align with who I am and as an artist. And if you can't respect that, then we can't 
work together. And so, right. yeah, but that takes so much determination and yeah. you do, you do have to be prepared with people turning against you in a way, because I think as a woman and then as a woman of color, it's almost been expected for all these years that you just say yes and you smile right. because that's what Asian women did for so long. And now it's mm -hmm. like, fuck you. Can I post on this podcast? Oh, yes. I always mark it explicit. Always. Yeah. At this point. And the biggest lesson for me is I think I started this industry going, I am so hardworking and so grateful to be here. I just want to prove to you what I can do and anything that you give me in terms of opportunities, I will take that and make it 200% better kind of a right. thing. And throughout the years, I think I realized, oh, I was going outside in of like, whatever's happening on the outside, just like say yes and work hard. And mm -hmm. now, oh, I'm coming from within. And this is who I am, which I am taking the summer to realign with that because I've spent mm -hmm. so many years giving away who I was and trying to be mm -hmm. what Hollywood told me to be what my agents and managers told me to be what the general writing sentiment of an Asian woman is. And so I try to be all those things that I realize, oh, wow, I need to figure out who am I today because I've grown in the past 12 years as right. a person. And then also what have I given away that's actually mine and should never be given away. And from there work inside out and be like, here's who I am. If that aligns with the story or the type of clients you're looking for or the project, then I am so excited to collaborate. But if you're trying to shape me into your version of who you think I should be, then I'm just not aligned anymore. I think I'm just old and tired. So I can't, <laughs> I can't depend anymore. So I think that's, that's been the biggest, biggest lesson for me. I think that too, I mean, just watching you in class, you have so many beautiful facets of yourself that just watching you play different characters in class. But I think, and you're real, you're super versatile because it's also, she's in a different wardrobe. She has different hair. She has different this. So it's like they presented a versatile actor, but in class, it's either you're versatile because you yourself have multiple facets and you're exploring each of them. There's nothing to hide behind kind of. Mm -hmm. And I think you do that beautifully, like just watching you in class go from comedy to drama to this quirky part of you to like, this is serious Julie to like, oh, I could go to Julie for help. You just have so many little pieces of you that like you were saying, I think not that I've like seen you reclaim yourself in class, but it does feel like <laughs> yeah. sometimes after a scene, you are like, oh yeah, I can do that. And I can do it without what these people have created in this pretend world. I can do it myself because I have that part of me. Thank you. And I have had a hard time receiving compliments, but I'm <laughs> taking all of that in <laughs> And, and thank you. And it you saying that made me realize how much our classmates know each other. It's like, on the one hand, I know very few facts about you compared right. to, you know, your everyday friends and stuff. But then on the other hand, I've also seen you be very vulnerable and expose a lot of different facets of faith and all the different things that you are. Because yeah, no one is just one thing. You're right every note on the piano. And I've, 
I think in a way I was like, oh, whoa, because you've seen that of me. I've seen that of you. We've actually shown each other very personal parts of ourselves that I think is not something most people get to see. And so that's really special. (laughs) No, it really is. I think about that so often with class, specifically finding a class that works for you and Mm. for the type of environment you want. And I think we both gravitate towards people that aren't the industry and are the artists. I think that's the bonds that you're talking about of, I trust these people enough to show them all of these things. Yeah. And vice versa. Absolutely. And it's because I think we created that shared environment and space that makes everyone feel safe. Mm -hmm. So I'm, yeah, thank you for being a part of that. And I'm so grateful we have, I always say like class is my church. And especially if it's a particularly hard day in the world of Hollywood, it's like you get to go to a space where it's just pure. So I'm curious on your end, have you been able to protect yourself from the industry? <laughs> Sounds so evil. <laughs> There's plenty. Of- yes and no. <laughs> hmm. I think it's helpful to see again, since I'm still newer in the realm of our class of like who has been in LA the longest and in the industry. It is nice when I, I think it was you one time who after seeing you're like, I'm just really over this. Like I'm over the industry and I'm over <laughs> it. It's probably me. General. <laughs> and honestly, that's like really nice to have someone be that candid because it does feel, especially when you're younger and new that everyone around you is booking And Mm. everyone around you has done all these things and they have all these credits and everyone is in the union and I'm not, and I don't know what I'm doing. And everyone has these great reps and everyone is doing well. (laughs) So I think kind of demystifying what it is has made me not get so upset about it Mm, (laughs) and hearing everybody that's been here longer and who I look up to and who I feel is way more experienced than me, be honest and be like, it sucks. And I cried yesterday, but I'm fine. (laughs) And I'm still here. And it's going to be okay. And I was on Netflix last year and this year I haven't booked anything and that's okay. And that's honestly like the reality. (laughs) Right. Which is just nice to hear people talk about. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right in that. I mean, especially with, you know, social media, like we only see Mm -hmm. the highlight reels and I absolutely have moments of that too, where you're scrolling. And because like, I'm following friends and people that I look up to and just people in the industry, we're only posting when we're booking. So then all we ever see is bookings, but that's not the, you know, other four months where nothing happened and actually keeping him anonymous. I was talking to a director that is very talented and Mm -hmm. to me is always working on a show and we had a conversation I was like yeah how have you been and he's like oh well it was like a very sad and slow you know four or five months where absolutely nothing happened and it just hit me in that same way that you said where it was like oh wow it is actually refreshing to just know it's a human struggle to be an artist and no matter how talented you are and how very extremely busy you can be for a certain season there's always going to be a lull as well and that doesn't speak to how how you will continue to book in the future it's just that 
the industry has ebbs and flows. And I've known yeah. friends that were, yeah, series regulars on a show that did really well. And then the moment they got off of it, they couldn't book for several years. And so that's, again, why I think, and I super appreciate your podcast. It's a reminder of, oh, but what else makes you have a fulfilling life outside of acting? <laughs> and in fact, that's the only way you can be your best actor and artist is when you're experiencing life, when you're going through heartbreak, that's when Adele can <laughs> write her brilliant songs, <laughs> traveling and all of that. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to Europe next month, I'm doing a little bit of traveling because I was just like, oh, I've been dying to go just travel and explore and felt guilty about it mm -hmm. and then realized oh wait why should I feel guilty <laughs> for treating myself and also it's actually going to inspire me and fill my creative well because I get to go see new things and learn new things mm -hmm. and that's what artists need is to be nourished and we can't do that if we're just constantly waiting for Hollywood and auditions and all yeah. that stuff my I guess problem I guess not problem my qualm mm. <laughs> with the concept of having other things is for me and I think for a, a lot of people I started acting when I was six I was a musical theater kid first and it was my thing and I was like the theater kid and that was my hobby and I spent hours and hours and hours of rehearsals and I knew that's what I wanted to do from when I was really young but it was also my only hobby because I was so determined to do that thing. Right. That was the only activity I did. So then once it becomes your job and mentally people are like, you should have a hobby. You need to step away from this thing. <laughs> then I'm like, I don't know what to do that my mind won't turn into, oh, great. Another special skill to put on your resume. <laughs> <laughs> or because I am so in love with this thing and the stories and the creation it is hard for me to step away and find something else that is equally as fulfilling, even when I know it's going to be healthier in the long run to take a step back for a second. Mm. Does that make sense? Do you have anything that you do to kind of fulfill that need for a story or connection or like creating that isn't the actual thing that we do? Well, I think the good news is hearing you speak, it's obvious how passionate you are about this and how you're, you're living and breathing it. And that's great because you're meant to do this. And so keep going. But I just laugh because I actually had just talked to a friend a few weeks ago and we were telling him he needs to get a hobby too, because he is <laughs> so passionate about acting. And we're like, it doesn't have to be your 24 seven thing. He's like, I don't, I don't have any hobbies. What else can I do? Yeah, what do I do? You're not alone in that sense. And I, I don't think it's about like trying to force a hobby and trying to find another love when you're so in love with the thing in front of you, but maybe thinking about it more holistically of just like, oh, anything that brings you joy and just makes you want to do that, it ends up helping your acting anyways, mm -hmm. just like we talked about, because acting is experiencing life. So in that sense, maybe it's more about not feeling any guilt or burden or just, yeah, any negative things when you totally. may 
wanting to explore like I don't know basket weaving or (laughs) like anything even reading a book like that's a hobby Mm -hmm. because all of it is just going to inform the experience of humanity and you just never know what you're going to pull from when it's time to do that scene or that audition or or even if you're writing something because I also write a lot it's like oh the lady at the supermarket yesterday she inspired this thought or whatever so I think it's just generally opening yourself up to the curiosity of people and the world and life um, and just the beauty of all emotions and feelings even the intense and you know terrible ones it all informs art so I don't know do you have any random hobbies like basket weaving I don't know why I thought of that (laughs) I have I have found some things but I I like what you said about not feeling the guilt part because I think that's definitely especially because I know you're a very type a person so am I (laughs) and I like to be productive and because we have so little control in this industry I think it also doubles down the emphasis on, I have to be doing everything mm-hmm. to put myself in a position where I'm ready. Yes. And I don't have anything to blame except for, you know, the uncontrollability of the industry, but I did everything I could. Mm. So I think the emphasis on, you don't have to feel guilty for doing something that isn't contributing to your acting career in this moment. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I resonate so hard. <laughs> and I think <laughs> as a fellow type A person and just a good student, it's just like ingrained. It's ingrained in us to, you know, think about it in that way of like, oh, every minute I have in my day can either go towards something productive with acting in my career or it's not. And I did very much spend my 20s overworking and like (laughs) trying to do way too much because it felt like, oh, this is my sense of control and the way that I shifted my perspective. And again, this is just for me. So it's like, take it with a grain of salt and joy. Cause I think that's what I looked back and thought of as well, being like an obsessively good student through my mm-hmm. teens as well. I like looked back in my twenties. I was like, Ooh, I should have had more fun in my teens. And now Same. in my thirties, I look back <laughs> at my twenties. I was like, Ooh, I could have had more fun. And I had a lot of fun, but definitely worked way too hard and way harder than I needed to. But I would say it's confusing, right? Because on the one end, Mm. especially with an acting class or whatever it is, like most people would say, you are in LA, you are in the Olympics of acting. So you need to train like an Olympian. Otherwise, how are you going to keep up? And I think there is absolutely truth in that. And so it's great. You're in class, you're training, you're working, you're doing these podcasts, which is very productive (laughs) to your (laughs) acting career. And so as long as you are carving out that time and space to work really hard at the craft. At the same time, mental health (laughs) and just (laughs) having a sense of well-being. So I always say it's the the tank. My artistic tank is either going to be full of fuel or it's running on empty. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's the more holistic view and looking at it from a balanced perspective is how much harder can I work today? Well, if there is only 5% left in my fuel tank, how much more can I work? And unfortunately for me, because I, I've been a workhorse all my life, I would just push myself on empty and just somehow keep going on empty for days, weeks, months. 
probably right. years at this point before recognizing, oh, wow, I need to recharge. But that is a way less healthy way to do this. So because I've gone through that, <laughs> I don't want you to waste your 20s. And I, I want you to be able to have a more healthy, balanced way. So I think in general, my view of this now is I have this little image of me in a car on one side. And I literally drew this out in a notebook. I just call it the universe. And I just made like a bunch of squiggles to represent Mm -hmm. the universe. And the slogan is meet the universe halfway. And so as opposed to driving all the way to the other side, because I've always felt like that's what I needed to do to be in control of my career. And like, I can rely on no one else and all this stuff. And that's exhausting. And you will run out of fuel. Whereas if you trust that opportunities are going to come, you trust that people are seeing your work in class and talking to you in your podcast and like everything that you're doing is going out there and you're gaining fans and people admire what you do and the auditions you're doing. Like maybe you didn't book this one, but maybe the casting director totally loved you as a person. And then five years later, there's going to be that project. So there's all these things in the works. So I'm just calling that general thing, the universe and trusting that it's meeting you halfway. You only have to travel half of the way to be there, I think has been my balanced image of actually how to pursue acting in a healthy way. So you don't have to go hundred percent all the time. Just trust that you're doing your best. And when that fuel tank is low, it's okay. It's okay to take a day, a week or whatever it is you need. Go to Europe. (laughs) Yeah. I think sometimes I get so caught up in like the story and telling things and connecting. Then you were like, oh, but I'm not doing any of that in my real life. So (laughs) is that even really mad? It, that is so interesting because, yeah, as artists, it's so fulfilling to connect in our art. But then, yeah, we have to remember to go live our real lives <laughs> to draw from life. It's such a weird meta. It is. When you're on set, sometimes for me, it's hard to hold, especially when I'm on a bigger set that I feel a lot more pressure on or there are certain names on set because you've been on a couple sets with some big names. (laughs) And if you're playing opposite of them, especially, how do you hold the creative side and the technical side of hitting the mark and the light and where you're looking and the added weird thing of, this is a celebrity. I've seen you on TV. I'm acting with you. I hope you think I'm good. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I have absolutely experienced every extreme of that in the sense that I think one of maybe my second or third co-star yeah one of the very first tv sets I was on I was totally in the extreme of oh my god I'm just a co-star I cannot screw up anything because they are so busy doing everything else. Like I just, I'm here to do my job. But then I was so focused, again, the people pleaser in me of making sure that I wasn't going to make any mistakes and just to like have a low footprint there, do my job and get out. Mm -hmm. I did not have any fun because I was just (laughs) so focused on the technical. So sometimes you need that learning lesson to then remind yourself, wait, I worked really hard going through 
how many auditions to book this one to finally have the reward of being on set to play to not have any fun why did I do that to myself because everyone was so nice so I think after that I've really kept that in my head and then seeing celebrities or people I admire or just veterans that have done this for decades that could be very intimidating to share screen time with I've been able to humanize them and recognize like something as silly as they'll mess up on a line and in my head I'm like oh they're human and it's just that little moment of recognition wow we are the same we're just here saying lines that are to play pretend pretend (laughs) it's fun and so yes on the one hand it feels very life or death on set because the first ad Mm -hmm. makes it that way and it's their job (laughs) we gotta get the shot in three minutes otherwise the world is ending like oh my god right so you're like okay i respect that that is your job but at the same time it is not brain surgery. We're not curing cancer. It's just having fun. I think it is a little bit easier to remember that on a comedy set because everyone is just a little bit more lighthearted. But I would say also over the years, I've recognized good sets and really, really, really am so grateful for them because when you have good people on the cast and crew, that's almost all you need. Once you practice getting out of your head, and obviously for someone like you, you're going to do your homework and you're going to show up prepared. And I've also been on sets where people did not do that. So (laughs) yeah, if you show up prepared, then I think being around people that just love what they do, just like the people in our class, it just reminds you, oh, wait, we're all just here to do what we love. And yes, it's on a time crunch. And yes, it might be a 16 hour day, but you eat enough crafties, you get through it. (laughs) But I think it's practice and just remembering the humanity of everybody. We're all the same. No one is a God, even though I feel that way about certain actors because they're just so brilliant. But they make mistakes, they laugh it off, we move on, we have fun. And I think that's yeah. keeping it lighthearted is is really helpful. On the opposite side, <laughs> away from comedy, all of your like combat and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I get confused because I come from a theater background and my BFA was in theater. So ours was all stage combat and Society of American Fight Directors is all of mm-hmm. our accreditations. Do you have to have a specific film accreditation for hand-to-hand If you do gun, do you have separate credentials or is it just you were like, hey, I do martial arts and then they just trained you on set how to not actually hit someone? Like, how did that go? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So I now that you say that, I'm like, oh, my God, should I be accredited? Because I'm totally not. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, I think so. Really funny story. I actually did not grow up doing martial arts. Um, and it just so happened when Mulan was casting, I got an audition for it. The live um, action Mulan? The live action one. Yeah. And so Deborah Zane was casting. And because in my 20s, I had no life outside of acting and also completely overachieved, I was like, you know what? An audition is not enough. So after I auditioned, <laughs> I then decided I was going to learn martial arts in the span of two weeks while they were still casting. I wrote and then gathered a team together. And actually, my boyfriend is in this short with me. And he also taught me wushu. (laughs) So 
he came to my house. We worked on choreography. He taught me martial arts. And then I gathered a team to go to Joshua Tree and we shot in the desert for two days. Basically a scene where I was very much in the character of Mulan without calling her Mulan and doing martial arts. And then also shot it in Chinese because they needed someone that could speak Mandarin to show that off and then sent that in. And I thought that was why I did martial arts. But once I was exposed to it, I super fell in love with it. And mm-hmm. was like, this is amazing. And so, um, also that just goes to show you can do literally everything and you're not <laughs> Mulan in the live action. Are you? <laughs> People who are listening, let it be known. You can do literally, like I literally went and made a whole film, almost broke my back, like literally almost broke my back uh, to try to get this role. But when you're not meant for it, you're not meant for it. (laughs) So props to you. That is crazy. (laughs) You can work a little less hard, but yeah. So I think that's, that's how it all started, but that's why you do it for yourself and not for Hollywood. Because once I found Mm. martial arts, I was like, like, oh, wow, I actually love this. And I'm so glad. Thank you, Mulan, for (laughs) introducing me to this. And I just never stopped. And it's really, really fun. So just to be clear, I probably cannot beat anyone up in real life, like at all, because I only you're pulling everything. Do it for screen. But it's been really fun just working with friends and like, projects over the years where I've gotten to do action. And then last year, I don't remember. I think you must've been in that class where I just showed up like super beat up from (laughs) some crazy stuff in a harness where they lifted me and um, it was like rigged and I was flying through the air and it was my first time doing wire work. And I did it for 12 hours and couldn't feel my body. And then I was like, wait, I can't miss acting class. So I showed up, but like, I couldn't even walk. And then Deshaun's like, what are you doing here? And I think I still like the bruised makeup all over my body that I forgot to take off. So everyone's like, what happened to you? So, (laughs) but it's really fun. I highly recommend it for anyone that's interested in action. And I think being a dancer, it sort of also transitioned, but also it hurts. A lot. Yeah. You use muscles you don't know you have, and then they hurt for days <laughs> after. But then it looks really cool on screen, so you forget the pain. Do you train in like a normal martial arts gym, and then you go to set, and they're like pull all your punches? So I, yeah, I did taekwondo growing up, but my main martial art is wushu, and so I train regular wushu, and then mm-hmm. in the action things I've done, usually we've been able to like have rehearsals where choreography is set and we're rehearsing the choreography. So it's really, really safe. And then, but you're doing all contact because it's on film. You're not doing like windows and that sort of thing. So it's, it's that action for film where if you're punching or you are using a weapon, it's much, much lighter than what it actually is I mean you'll get like bruises on your bones and stuff because mm-hmm. it's just so easy contact. to yeah. contact but there is a certain way to fight on screen that is very safe and is not meant to hurt anyone which is why I can't actually hurt anyone in real life right. never- <laughs> no me neither I would just fully miss 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to do it to actually hurt people, but it looks good on screen. But I will say though, I learned the hard way. So in the things that uh, I've been in where I'm like the hero, mm-hmm. it's way easier to not be the person getting hurt and kicked and like, you know, thrown to the mm-hmm. ground. So mm-hmm. I got a little cocky and was like, oh, wow, I'm so good at this. And then I did a project where I was the one getting beat up and it's so much harder and way more skilled for, and this is why like stunt people, I have utmost respect to mm-hmm. actually look like you're getting slammed onto the ground and right. all of definitely ate humble pie in that way. And then for that project, I did have to have a stunt double <laughs> Because most of the action stuff I do, it is just me. But for that one, right. like in your videos, you look like a badass. I'm like, that's Julie. That's her. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it's it's usually when I'm winning. But just so you know, I don't. I'm not skilled enough to like take the beating and like hit mm-hmm. the ground. So yeah, much respect for very very trained stunt people who do that. Because right. I I am an actor who does action. I cannot take the title of I'm a stunt woman because that is a whole other level of training that I just look at in awe when I see other people do it. Well, then also logistically, if they lose you, like they stop filming. (laughs) That's true. If they actually beat me up, then (laughs) hopefully makeup can (laughs) cover it. Do you get an action bump for being the one that's doing the martial arts or is there no change in pay? So I think if it is actual like stunt work, then you do get a separate stunt Mm -hmm. pay. But if it's an actor who is doing action, it's also, and I don't know like the details of that because I'm not like a stunt or anything like that. But if it's something that is still deemed acting, then it is just acting. But if you're interested, let me know and I can. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm so interested. You look so cool. (laughs) I also think it's important to say, I love, I think it's on your website that you stand at like a daunting, what is it? Five, one and three fourths. Yes. The three fourths really matter for short people. (laughs) Which makes it it so much better because you're beating up these men who are like six feet. It is really fun. Um, When I was doing the wire work, uh, the guy who pulls from the other side so I can fight, his bicep was the size of my head. And he obviously has to be so big and strong because he is pulling people that are like, you know, 200 pounds and, you know, whatever. So then he gets me. (laughs) I think the first few times I was flying through the air. Everyone's like, he's up on the pulling Do you have anything else that you want to add? Any like last minute things? Or I know you just did your project that you wrote. Oh man, I'm always so awkward about promoting. But again, this is a part of the industry. (laughs) Yeah, so I am not quite sure how anyone can see this publicly just yet, but be on the lookout for an amazing project called Shatterbelt. It is just this wacky, amazing sci-fi Twilight Zone-esque project that is equal parts humor and will make you think and be confused in the best way. (laughs) 
We had an amazing screening at South by Southwest. That's where it premiered this year. We just had the LA screening as well. And then TBA on how to watch it, but be on the lookout because it is a very, very entertaining series. And then, oh, Zoetic, the short that I co-directed that was on HBO is now accessible via YouTube on Wong Fu Productions page. So um, you can go check that out. I I guess all of these things are like, you can't watch it yet, but (laughs) just finished writing my first feature film with my writing partner, Chanel Wang. And it is very cool, female buddy comedy. So look out for that. That is in the works. Perfect. I'll put all those links in the show notes. Well, this has been so fun. I hope to see you in class. Yes. Oh my God. Seeing your face just makes me miss class more. So I will be back. I hope you get to enjoy the summer because I know you work very, very hard. So (laughs) just make sure you you have some of your 20s to have fun. it (laughs) It all ties back into acting and you're already great. So you're very much ahead of the game. <laughs> Thank you. We'll have so much fun in Europe. Thank you. And thanks for having me on this. This was really fun. Thank you for giving me so much of your time. I know you don't have a lot of it. <laughs> this is great. Work-life balance. This is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, you kind of could say it was both. <laughs> yeah, totally productive. Like having that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Bye.